0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 43 of DN Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host Ryan Reader and with me as always is my good buddy Ben Bumhopper. How are you doing tonight, Ben?
1: Oh, I'm doing absolutely fantastic, Ryan. I figured I'd just drop in here and we can uh, chat about some really fun stuff like Dungeons and Dragons.
0: Emphasis on the dragons.
1: Oh, yeah. So... Uh th- this episode is about a week later than we normally did it or normally would record because I took a vacation so I appreciate everybody just kind of hanging out and Ryan for being very flexible because it was much needed and man am I really glad that I was able to have that extra time because I really needed it for my campaign and I am super excited to talk about that but first oh man we are getting back to some of the basics that we've been working on that we've been uh, going through
0: and that is uh Some dragon talk. Yeah, we've we've covered, what, three or four dragons now. And so it's been a little bit. Thought it was time to to cover the next one. So today we're going to be covering white dragons Mm -hmm. from both a player and DM perspective. So white dragons are really interesting. And we we did some research. And as always, Mr. Rex, uh, go check out his YouTube. Has... Tons of awesome D&D lore videos. Um, they're great, great prep videos, oh, honestly. Very much so. That's for for these types of things. Um, but white dragons are, are really unique um, among really all the dragons, but especially the chromatics because they are by far the least intelligent. And so I actually went and looked this up and I, I really didn't realize this because I, I haven't run a lot of white dragons yet in the, the stuff I'm doing, but an adult white dragon has an eight intelligence. Yeah. An and eight intelligence that's below average.
1: Cause everybody knows average is 10. So yeah, it it's so funny. It's one of those things where, you know, if you think about uh, the average intelligence of a human being, remember, there's people lower than that.
0: This is the same exact way that it is with dragons. Yeah, it's 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 nuts because uh, you just don't think of dragons like that. But I, I really like it because it adds a completely different aspect and personality and adds a different aspect to the way, as a DM, that you play them, which is super cool as well. And so... White dragons, uh, even though they don't have as much in the smarts department, they make up for it in the hunting, bestial, ferocity department. Like, uh, white white dragons are essentially the apex predator. They are the hunter. And interestingly, uh, and I love... Um, how I've seen this played before in some like actual play shows, they have incredibly good memories, Mm -hmm. but only for specific things, not for abstract things, but for specific things. You slide it, you get away from it, you chase it off. Those are the things that a white dragon will remember and hunt you down if the opportunity ever arises again
1: exactly and you know i think you you nailed it right there where they are so ferocious they are so fierce that you know it gives you an opportunity to definitely play them you know a lot more bestial than you would like say a red dragon who you know loves having plans loves outsmart you know being like steps and steps ahead of everything with this it's just a pure ferocity that's you're in their territory, guess what? They're going to destroy you. You are, you know, uh, thinking that, oh, maybe you can get out of some sort of uh, um, uh, trap with them, you know, bribe them with treasure or anything. Why would they do that when they could just eat you and take your treasure? You know, nothing wrong with that. Um, In fact, the only way to really kind of like get in there and, and trick them is to offer them something that you definitely do not have. And that being said, you better freaking bring it if you promise them something, because they will remember that. that is so <laughs> That's one of, those,
0: one of those memory things.
1: Yeah. And the, the way that their mind works is really interesting because um, like, like you were saying, they don't really have a good memory for abstract, abstract thinking. And on top of that, they don't really have the mind for it in general. So like the idea of you know going in and say, Oh, there is a, a, a whole pack of, of, I don't know, owl bears over there. Dragon flies in, kills them all, eats what it wants to, whatever flies away. Doesn't think at all about future meals. You know, if it likes owl bear, it might've just destroyed the entire thing without, you know, uh, doing some sort of like population control, if you will, you know, like, (laughs) like uh, choosing and picking what they're actually hunting. They, they just go for it. And The idea of not really like thinking ahead, not really, you know, making plans for the future and just kind of living more moment to moment and looking for what they want uh, is really interesting to me because it feels a lot of different things. You know, they look for food, they look to procreate, and they look for treasure. And aside from that, they're really not looking outward at all.
0: Yeah. And that really plays into the big lone wolf aspect of white dragons. And as a DM, when you play a white dragon, um, playing up that lone wolf aspect, um, they don't get along with anybody. They barely get along with other white dragons. (laughs) Like they, they, white dragons will rarely have like servants or minions or other, other things that are around them Mm -hmm. because many times they just will eat them
1: yeah (laughs) just
0: straight up eat them it's like yeah it doesn't matter if this is a faithful servant
1: who's been bringing them treasure for the past three months they'll just eat them who cares
0: yeah and so you you won't often find white dragons with a lot of of minions or, or a lot of servants or whatever uh that they they have collected um Uh, One other thing I really liked, too, kind of with that, uh, generally white dragons are found in snowy northern areas, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, their color matches the snow. They have the the cold breath. uh, They're super adapted and suited for for cold environments. Um, One thing I thought that was really interesting that – you could potentially work into stories as well as white dragons hate frost giants Mm -hmm. and frost giants don't like white dragons either. Uh, In fact, frost giants will often um, try and subjugate them if possible. And white dragons will often try and kill them (laughs) whenever (laughs) they can. So it's, it's a, it's a really interesting um, rivalry there's not a lot of stuff that's like that specific. So that could actually be a a really cool thing. You could potentially play up as a plot point as a story point. If your adventurers are in in the great North or whatever, Um, especially lower level, being able to see like the big cinematic battles taking place in the distance or being basically present for Oh, these two like apex creatures fighting and, and dueling and just like the, the the sense of scale to the world because both are gigantic. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: So the sense of scale, the sense of there is more here than just me and that there's more here that is far more powerful than me.
1: Oh yeah. And you know at this point too this could be a really good teaching lesson for your players you know do they see it and want to run in and, and attack and you know uh, get the spoils or are they going to actually learn the lesson that okay there are going to be things that are more powerful like ryan said um let's just kind of keep our heads down and move forward on this you know maybe remember that area remember what's going on and you know what's We level up a little bit we can come back and you know have our take at it you know see what we can figure out
0: well it's and it's super interesting and kind of bunny bunny trailing a little (laughs) bit um i don't think a lot of dms do a good enough job of showing their players that there are other ways like mm-hmm. right? like a lot of times parties will go, there's a combat. DM is, DM is putting a combat before me. That must mean it's balanced. I'm going to fight it. There's, I, there, there's so many other ways to deal with those things, whether it be socially or honestly, just at the end of the day, running away mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I and it's as as I've played in groups and as I've um DM people it's it seems like it's very unnatural for players to want to run away or feel like it's okay to run away. Does yeah. does that make
1: sense? No, totally. I mean, look at it this way, a lot of people are coming to D&D from like video games where the game is you go in and you defeat the enemy otherwise the game doesn't move forward whereas with this it moves forward regardless of what happens you know it, it could actually be a, a tpk and then the story continues on at some point and then either you know a new party will pick up where they left off or go into a world that's been changed because of that failure and getting that point across is kind of challenging at times especially if you know well you're like me and you're not super great at combat balancing so even if it's something that they shouldn't go into they could probably go in and still win they might get more hurt than they're normally used to (laughs) but you know it uh, making sure that they have that option is very important and i think that's again also following you down that bunny trail there um i think that's giving them just open free will to do what they want in the situations kind of helps them realize that a little bit more, but you're right. When it does come to combat, that's not the first thing that'll come to mind.
0: And I think as a, as a DM, you can use some cues to help with that descriptive language. Like this foe seems incredibly powerful mm-hmm. to you or this is a legendary creature or, you know, something like, um, the odds don't appear to be in your favor. Yeah. It's basically <clears throat> the DM voicing like that little voice in the back of the player's mind type thing as they're going into a combat or while they're in the middle of a combat because retreat during combat is also a viable option. mm mm-hmm if it needs to be
1: and can be a lot more difficult than just avoiding it in the first place yeah
0: yeah not not everything and i and i love that you brought up the video game mentality not everything is necessarily fight to the death Mm -hmm. because in D D, for the most part there's no reloading the save after you fail the first time and trying again yeah like, like you might have a little of that with resurrection and, and stuff like that, but that's, that can bring costs that can bring um, it, it. It's just, it's not the video game mentality. I can't save before the big boss go in fight. I crap. I did something wrong or we got TPK'd us reload. <laughs> yeah. And, and try again it's It's a living story that continues on mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a video game, so I just kind of wanted to throw that out there because white dragons especially um, can be great tools for this because they are that aggressive incredible hunter that you can use as a as a backdrop and I mean. Dragon of Spire Peak, the mm-hmm. the module. Um, that's a white dragon, and it is used as a backdrop throughout that whole module, kind of always in the background, potentially popping up at a at a place you are, and you can't handle it at the beginning. If it if it showed up, and you have to hide, you have to run. And so having things like that, and just in this case, specifically like a white dragon is, is a really cool way to get those types of things across and just show the variety in your world.
1: Mm -hmm. Definitely. Speaking of variety though, uh, hopping back down the bunny trail more towards white dragons again, um, the variety of a white dragon's treasure is something that's actually really cool and really kind of interesting because uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, things that are like ice, like like they're so into that sort of reflection, that sort of, you know, like clear faceted look and everything that, you know, they love diamonds. They love things that are white. They love glass even, which is, kind of interesting you know they like mirrors just things that reflect and and do all that but what's even cooler no pun intended is that they actually freeze their treasure in ice
0: yes super super cool because that can add a whole layer to the layer Mm -hmm. (laughs) both doing it tonight uh (laughs) for for either a party that stumbles upon a white dragon lair where the white dragon is not present at the moment. It's not like you can just walk in and take treasure. It mm-hmm. may be buried under feet of ice where you can describe as you walk into this like giant ice, icy chamber as the party looks down, you just see glittering of thousands upon thousands of coins Amplified and magnified throughout the entirety of the room as you look down and it may you may have to chisel out just to get to a single coin mm-hmm. or something like that it's it 's not it 's not like the the classic smog sitting on a pile of gold <laughs> exactly. and kind of and kind of like burrowing into it and digging into it. This is like it's it's like the lockbox <laughs> around around the treasure uh before you can even get to it yeah and it
1: it's funny too because like one of the big reasons why they do that too is just you know for protection but also because of the way that the different reflections shine off and the way that the ice works it looks like their treasure is actually amplified so that they have way more than they actually do and for a, a type of dragon that is, you know, very hedonistic, who, you know, just goes for their wants, it really showcases just the kind of greed that they have that even if they don't have a ton, they're showing off more than they could possibly, you know, have collected themselves.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a super, it's a super interesting, um, it's a super interesting play. Mm-hmm. And you could really play that up um if you have an encounter with with a party in a in a white dragon player,
1: yeah, I just make sure like a whole bunch of mirrors just set up all around, and there's really only like a small pile of gold, but it's just like you know projected throughout so many different feet of ice yeah, set, and up, set up in
0: such a way that it looks like just this massive horde and it's <laughs> it's like 300 gold all. pieces or something yeah 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 <laughs>
1: yeah It it's oh man it's just there's there's such an interesting creature and the fact that like the only time that they ever really hang out with other dragons which is only a, a member of the opposite sex is to get busy And even then they don't care about actually rearing children or laying eggs or those lines, the worst. In fact, like once the eggs hatch, peace out. They just, they, they split. Some babies might go with the father. Some might go with the mother. And even then they are not protected. They're not cared for. They're just kind of around until they
0: get to the point where they're almost an adult. And then they're just kicked out. Yeah. I love the, I love the way that uh, Mr. Rex's video uh, put it. And we'll, we'll have the link to that in, in the show notes as well. If you want to get in and deep dive, mm-hmm. it's like the, the dad or the mom I'll tolerate them being following them around for a couple of decades and then they'll kick them out. <laughs> yeah. And what's
1: even better too, is that there is always a potential that one of the babies could kill the parent and then take their horde and just kind of, you know, take over for them. Because again, there's no love lost, or actually ever created between those white dragons. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, they're they're purely purely instinct, purely uh, hunter, purely predator, and it's uh, as a DM especially, it can be really fun to play something like that of that scale and that mm-hmm. size that is not as smart as the other ones, but is, has, <laughs> has a specific set of skills. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a cool,
1: cool, cool being. Again, no cool pun dragon. intended.
0: Yep. Cool dragon. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's white dragons. If you haven't used one before and you've got uh, some snow or a cold environment, think about it. Could be, could be kind of fun oh i'm Uh, trying i'm
1: thinking about where there there might be one or two in my world right now
0: yeah they're they're there they're waiting around you never know party might be there go go there eventually
1: there's more dragons in my world than my party knows about at the moment
0: pretty happy about that that's how that's how it always (laughs) is remember that every npc is a secret dragon (laughs) yes i need to meet that today i'm like that's good advice
1: that's good advice every single one of them
0: every single one of them the whole world is dragons (laughs) except for the party yeah they're 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 the odd ones out (laughs) they're just all all the dragons are just playing along yeah exactly oh gosh
1: (laughs) it's like a really horrible like draconic version of the truman show Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh look at this cute little adventuring party! <laughs> quick
1: hey, places, quick. places! You're supposed to be the uh, the old elf woman. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> You're still scaly. Hurry!
0: Oh gosh, that would be that would be super funny. You know, I'd watch that. Yep. Somebody, <laughs> somebody, uh, someone needs to make a Dragon Truman Joe module. When you do, let us know because we'll, we'll play it you know what, I think someone just might. That'd be, that'd be pretty awesome. And speaking of modules, uh, that's a good segue to dive into our next topic, um, which is drop-in adventures. And this is, this is kind of a, a really interesting topic and I wanted to bring it up because um, Candlekeep just came out. And Candlekeep is basically an anthology, which is just a bunch of standalone adventures of, of various levels. Um, and they're fairly setting generic, uh, or at least would be easy enough to tweak. And so the whole idea with these types of things um Examples like Candlekeep, uh, Arcadia, the MCDM one has been putting out single single module stories. Uh, Adventurers League, DMs Guild has a ton of these little, of little standalone things. Um, these can be used to supplement either a module you are running currently or a homebrew world. And they're awesome because they can really help you get over the hump of like creative blocks or I'm working on something big, but it's not ready yet. Uh, or I don't know what to do next. These types of things can be like really great drag and drop into whatever you're doing. And most will require, no to minimal reskinning to kind of fit within your within your place, and then you can use them as little side adventures or use them as bigger parts of your story and it 's a lot less work
1: mm-hmm, exactly and I, I think the the big thing that you really hit on here is that there 's very little that needs to be reskinned, but I think adaptation is really one of the biggest keys to these. Um, you know, anytime that you have any sort of module that you're running, uh, even if you're playing, you know, straight out of the book, you know, you're running, you know, uh Strahd or anything along those lines, there is always going to be something where you need to go in and make changes or adapt or alter things because that is how Dungeons and Dragons is. You know, nothing goes according to plan. And gosh, I don't know how many times that I've come up with a plan even in my you know homebrew thing that everything's just completely just off the rails as soon as the players get into that. So I
0: have have to imagine that the actual percentage of DMS and parties that run a full module exactly as the module is written has to be like next to none.
1: (laughs) Exactly. It's in the low, like single digit percentages, (laughs) Uh, you know, something along those lines. So, you know, read it through, make your, make sure that you're familiar with that, you know, uh, small adventure module, whatever you want to call it, you know, the drop in adventure. And as you're going through kind of, you know, make some notes, look at what you need to change or what you can just completely adapt and put into your game. Now, if you're using another module and you want to throw this in, in there, great. Again, look at what you can adapt it, fit it into the setting and, uh, kind of play with it you know make it your own even though it is something that is fleshed out that you're running your your players through for some fun and i mean it it, there's not too much more to say in that regard other than just it's yours at that point you know just like any module that you're running anything along those lines you are in charge make it work
0: yeah and um i 'll go back to candle keep because candle is a great supplement for these types of things because it has a very widespread of levels mm-hmm. for adventures because when you do this you 'll of course want to find something level appropriate for for your party because if it 's not then it 's extra work to do whatever scaling. Yeah, scaling yeah so if you're if you 're looking for i need some easy content for my campaign while I get through a creative block or while I work on a larger story piece or something like that, or the, I want something completely different than what we've been doing just kind of as a little break uh, to, to kind of break up the the momentum or break up the, the, the terrain or the, the setting or, you know, whatever. Um, you can usually, and again, I, I have to, just really point to the DMs Guild because it has so much great stuff in it. There's stuff for all levels, 1 through 20, uh, that are just standalone one-shots or, or little mini mini sessions that you can take and, okay, cool, here's a session of content or two sessions of content or three sessions of content. Mm-hmm. And that can give me time to do other things or that can give my players a different experience and make and maybe like I'm super busy in my life right now and I don't have a lot of time for prep okay cool I can grab one of these and then kind of direct the party towards it and then run it without having to do a ton of preparatory work
1: yeah and one of the neat things about it too is that not only does like a side adventure kind of shake things up it you know it gives a a a fresh new setting fresh new area for the players to kind of play around in more so it can actually really open up more doors and like kind of reboot some of that creative thinking for you as well you know based off of things that happen in that you know that drop in adventure it might open up doorways to you know Uh, new character paths or or ways to tie into a character's background that you weren't even thinking about and you can take that bit of of story and adventure and move uh, aspects of it forward into your own campaign you know maybe in let's say candle keep they they find one of the books that you know starts the whole adventure and that turns out to be some sort of you know key into a different sort of society because you have one of these you know um specific books that maybe an order is looking for and then you instantly have a a, a new uh faction that they can kind of work with uh and that's me not running any of these yet and just the idea of you know
0: something just out of the blue you know it's those types of things are a great way to pull new stuff, especially if it's homebrew, Mm -hmm. pull new stuff into your world that then you can make your own or then you can flesh out, but you don't have to completely come up with from scratch. Mm -hmm. It may be that you run this little one or two session thing somebody else did. It's got this really cool thieves guild. And at the end, you take some of those characters, you take the organization as it is, and boom, you plop that into your world and keep it and now you've got a whole new thing that is now uniquely yours. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things I said
1: on a previous uh, episode is, you know, the less world building that you have to do, that's, you know, you can get help from your players with where you build something together, makes your job that much easier. Being able to pull from different adventures like this, again, makes your job easier. And it helps populate the world with adventure and fun and story content for your players to, you know, mess around in.
0: Yeah. And that's, uh, that is one thing that you can do with even the official campaign guides. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're not running a, a game in wild Mount or in uh, Theros or I don't know, one of the dread domains <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> talk about uh, the, the new book kind of that's going to be coming out soon. You can still pull from that and pull from those things or pull interesting factions or people or settings or plot hooks and pull them into your world mm-hmm. as a way to cut down on the amount of work that you have to do. Exactly. Because we're all we're all about lazy DMing here. That is very true, <laughs>
1: and you know that's also one of the reasons why on D and D Beyond I have everything unlocked because I can just pull from anywhere to just throw in, have fun, and uh, you know see what sticks and what really works in my world. So definitely recommend that. Um, one thing I will say too is uh, kind of jumping into this as a player perspective, um, there are different things out there like. Um, adventures league um, you know just different games that are pickup games that you can find in you know like gaming shops and well maybe not as much right now but pre-pandemic this was definitely thing that was happening a lot as the world kind of uh, equals out and and moves past everything you're going to see this more often too is that if you come across things like adventures league where they're running campaigns or you know like full modules week to week or month to month Um, they have a lot of these drop-in spots and something that you do need to go into it's, you know, understanding is that it is literally drop in, you know, your, your background and character progression is probably not really going to be touched on because you're focusing mostly on the module Um, and week to week, the party is going to change, you know, you might get lucky and have the same group for, you know, consistently throughout the whole campaign. But there is a good chance that you pop in one week. You're someone who's a the the barbarian gnome who is your best buddy in combat might not be there next time. Uh, it could be a random paladin wood elf who is the new tank or something. You know that stuff happens. But it is still generally a, a fun way to at least get your feet wet or to get into D and D and be able to play if you're not able to find a consistent game. So. Drop-in adventures
0: happen in both ways. Yep. And I actually will give a shout out to Sly Flourish's Return of the Lazy Lazy Dungeon Master book. It is an incredibly helpful book for cutting down your prep time and coming up with story hooks, plot arcs. Um, There's just so much... I, I own it. I've read it. Uh, it helped me a lot in just like the mindset of how I prepare for things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I highly recommend that one. If you're looking for ideas or ways to cut down prep time or to uh, streamline your prep time, um, Sly Flourish, Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, highly recommended. We'll have a link to that in the show notes on dndiscussions.com. All right. Uh, so moving forward, I wanted to do a community content shout out, uh, that one just (laughs) because I thought about it and it's been super helpful for me, but also owlbear rodeo. Now, Ben, have you ever heard of owlbear rodeo before? Never, never Never at all, but it it sounds awesome. Yes. Uh, It is www.owlbear.rodeo. And so this is basically, uh, if you you know what Foundry is, if you know what Fantasy Grounds is, if you know what Roll20 is, it is a virtual tabletop. However, it is a completely free, um, very lightweight virtual tabletop. You can basically go in, you can start a game, make a password for it, and then your other players can join that game with that password. No accounts, no, no accounts necessary. Um, You can upload and use maps like tiled maps, or it has just like the, the bare bones, basic, like wood, water, stone, sand, grass, and a a blank, like default map. The um, owl
1: bare bones.
0: Yes. I think we're trying too hard. Yeah. At that point, definitely. (laughs) But it has, it has a lot of the features of things like roll 20 without a lot of the overhead in a lot of ways and without the, a lot of the learning curve. So basically there's just a bunch of um, icons you can grab. So you can grab the little paladin, the, the sorcerer, the wizard, just, throw them on the, the battle map. You can draw things, you can make fog, you can do your measurement tool to see how many feet uh, away something is or another. Uh, it's got little tokens that you can name for monsters and stuff like that. But it's all incredibly easy to set up, free, no account needed. Uh, and it's, it's basically just a, it's not, it's not like you're super fully featured virtual tabletop but it's a quick and dirty I don't have a lot of time or to like throw this really pretty map together or whatever or I'm playing on the fly with a with a new group or just a I don't have a lot of super technically inclined people this is, will be very easy for them to get into and pick up so if you're looking for that type of a virtual tabletop for your games, definitely check out Owlbear Rodeo.
1: That's really cool. I'm definitely going to check that out. I mean, as I've said before, you know, I, I use like the, the 3D models and have an overhead camera and stuff for it, but for different things where, you know, I might not have everything I need, like, dude, I don't know what it is, but finding cave 3D tiles, is the hardest thing to do. <laughs> like everything's all squares and castles and taverns and stuff. I was like, no, I yep. want them to be in a cave. <laughs> yeah, doesn't doesn't that's, work that's, as well. That's
0: that's when you have to start really investing investing the uh, in that the the dwarven forge money.
1: Yeah, and I don't have dwarven forge money. I don't get that much. I don't get paid that much.
0: We love dwarven forge. Dwarven forge is awesome. Mm-hmm. Dwarven forge is admittedly also very expensive and so worth it it though yeah like worth it if you can get it but it's not something you're gonna get a lot (laughs) of really fast probably (laughs) it's one of those you build up your collection over a very long period of time yeah Uh, it's 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 something i want i want eventually
1: i can afford a piece of dwarven forge this week (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay, it's not that bad, but it's still set aside set aside your weekly one piece of
1: dwarven budget
0: so that I have a door. <laughs>
1: yeah. I got a door this week. <laughs> it's like, um, gosh, so when I was little, my mom would cut out and save all the UPCs for my Star Wars figures and anytime they ever had a like a mail in offer, she'd have UPCs ready to go and just send it right in and <laughs> it's like that. What but not a
0: great mom. Oh, yeah,
1: it was great. She saved UPCs from everything for stuff like that. It was amazing. That's how I got, like, my little Emperor Palpatine figure. That's how I got my Anakin Skywalker figure. You know, just, like, all these things that you just couldn't find anywhere. It was great. Yeah,
0: no, that's great. Um, But, yeah, go ahead and uh, check that out, especially if you're looking for uh, a virtual tabletop option for your online game. Mm -hmm. Check out uh, Return of Lazy Dungeon Master as well. And uh, with that before we move into kind of what we're doing in our games we did get an email yes ben, so do you want to do you want to address that there was actually something uh directed at you
1: very true um well first of all i'd like to thank abigail for sending the email in um we're not going to read it we don't have full permission to read it uh in fact going forward we should probably say if you want it read right on air give us permission because you know we don't want to I don't know. Be weird. Anyways, it was very nice though. Thank you. Yeah. Um, But you know, Abigail has, uh, you know, put a group together is new to D and D and uh, I am incredibly happy that, that uh, they're able to uh, join in and play and and it sounds like the campaign's going pretty good. They've got some very interesting characters. Two of the people who are playing have uh, played before the the third person in the party hasn't. So uh, yeah they have some very creative character choices and I'm actually really interested to hear more about it. So Abigail, if you feel like sharing uh, with Ryan and myself, we'd love to hear more of it. But reason I'm uh, introing this is because Abigail actually did say that um, they're very interested as to what is going on in my campaign with the, you know, that, that whole missing player with the, the journal that was found in that extra uh, bag of equipment. And, so jumping into what we're doing in our games, Ryan, I got to have a conclusion to that Oh, on Saturday.
0: Let's, let's hear it. This, this is probably exactly what they were wanting to hear, because now you can kind of reveal the whole Exactly. The whole okay, so
1: um, listeners, if, if, you've, if you've heard kind of what was happening and had an idea of what was going on, uh, I will say that it is a monster called a false hydra. Now it's not actually a um an actual sanctioned Dungeons and Dragons monster. It's something that was, you know, kind of gosh, I actually don't know where the idea came up from it, but there are uh quite a few different versions of it uh that are homebrewed on D Beyond. And I found one that worked well for me with you know stat blocks and whatnot that I was working with. But the idea behind a false hydra is that it is if you've ever watched doctor who it's kind of like the silence if you haven't watched doctor who i'm going to explain it anyway but the false hydra is this you know monster with a a whole bunch of heads and necks you know like a a normal hydra but at least one of these heads sings a song and it's essentially a perception filter it changes reality and what people within a certain distance see and experience uh now for me the stat block that I used, it's within a five mile radius. So, you know, huge, huge area. And the biggest thing about it is, is that because they change your perception, if they go and they, they eat someone or something and, you know, consume it, it actually goes through and alters your memory so that they never existed in your mind. You know, you have like gaps in your memory where they, they went and your mind will try to process it and, will uh, essentially make up new memories and justifications for things that happened. So I looked and I had started the first, like I'd, I'd been dreaming of how I was going to do this for a very long time in my campaign. Cause I heard about these like probably a year and a half, maybe two years ago. So I looked at the first mention of where, my party got this, this necklace, this thing called uh, Gilly's Periaptive Healing, and it was in August of 2020. So the idea behind it is, is that they went to the Temple of Bahamut as they were leaving on a mission to go pick up one of these orbs that I've been talking about in the campaign. And the head priestess said, take Gilly with you. And how they rationalized it in their head was everybody got this necklace, and periodically throughout the campaign from that point on, it like magic would emit from it, it would heal and and do different things. But in actuality, what was really happening was this little gnome cleric was traveling with them, who was the the source of all of that. So I've been uh writing different encounters in this journal throughout that whole time, you know, uh,
0: talking about. You know, oh, I did been this. Been making so and so said this. Journal. Yeah. Like, this is not just like, oh, this is a journal. And you kind of just like, yeah, this entry was <laughs> something like this today. You have literally been writing a journal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have. In fact, um, pop it open really quick. It is uh, in Microsoft Word. It is, well, it's only eight pages long, but there's a ton of different entries. Um, just, you know, talking about their different, uh, experiences, uh, like deep conversations that they've had with this character. Um, I, I chronicled like the, the month of downtime that they had, uh, their adventure at the carnival that was going on. And then, you know, their, their journey towards this place called the Everwilds. So, um, Briar's Bluff is the town where this false hydra came into existence and as the, the crew got there, I, I kind of talked a little bit about this before, how like weird things were going on. Like it's a town where there's never been a mayor, but there's this huge mayoral mansion. Um, all the, the buildings are like pristine and, and, you know, well-kept and everything. Um, and it's just really weird. Cause like, there's very few people in the town. There's no kids anywhere. Um, on top of that too, you know the, the the two players who have been through that town before, oh, everything 's exactly the same as it was, you know everything was pristine there weren 't a lot of people there, you know yeah everything 's fine, so you know they were totally like yeah it 's fine. The rest of the party was like, "This is weird, and then someone saw someone trip, have this horrified look on their face, and then just instantly was perfectly fine again, stood up, picked up their laundry, kept walking, and so they were you know really. Worried and, and careful about that, went to bed. Next morning, the paladin woke up, found that that journal and everything. So this is where the, 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 the seeds that I planted grew into this wonderful experience for me. And I had a blast with all of this. <laughs> so the next morning, um, you know, the, the start of the gaming session, paladin who found the journal, like shared it with everybody. They're all trying to figure out what's going on. Um, the bard who the, the player knew what it was, but you know, she, she didn't just metagame the whole thing, which was great. Um, she's like trying to, you know, figure out if there's illusions everywhere because you know, what's going on with all this stuff. Uh, they finally came to the decision, okay, we need to go check out that mayor house. Cause things are weird here. And you know, why would this giant house be there without anybody living it without anybody governing the town, all this stuff. On their way downstairs, they see the shot or the the innkeeper, and our cleric notices there's a painting on the wall that has the innkeeper, his wife, what looks like would be their kid, and then like a guy who looks a lot like the innkeeper, so like a, either a son or a brother or something like that, asks the the innkeeper about it because you know he doesn't have a kid, and the innkeeper's like, oh, yeah, that that's really weird. They must have had. Uh, like, you know, where we got the the painting from. I don't even remember who did it, but um, they, you know, must've been a previous canvas that they had and they were painting over and, you know, never finished it. So, you know, we just hung it up on the wall and, and that guy looks kind of like me. It's probably just like their, their first pass at it. Wonder why they never finished it anyways, you know, just totally like justifying what they're seeing in their head with the, the thought of, okay, so kid existed at one point, but doesn't now brother or son or whatever existed at one point doesn't now what's going on. So then they go through, they get to the mayor's house, they're searching around and there's like huge, like layer of dust on everything. But there is, you know, like bedrooms that were kids rooms, you know, obviously like a, a, you know, family had lived there at some point, but it looked like, you know, people just got up and walked out. So they're going through in the office, they find this ledger. That was also another kind of journal thing. So this was the, uh, the mayor's journal. And as they're going through and I'll tell you, this was really hard to write because I wanted to have, you know, the, the breadcrumbs in there to kind of give them an idea of, of what's going on without blatantly doing it. And so uh, it's a town ledger that you know talks about how many people are in town. It, there's a monthly count that, that does a census, you know, just to, to talk about you know the deaths, births, just you know how many people are in town, as well as just some thoughts of different things that have been going on. So, at first, he talks about how his son found this weird, like albino, fleshy, like potato-looking thing in the carriage house, and uh, they're curious as to what it is. So they're trying to, you know, he's going to have him, you know, try to raise it to see what it is and, you know, teach him some responsibility. Um, he talks about his three kids and, and all the stuff, How you know, they've been really blessed so far. There haven't been any deaths or, or any, but uh, a woman's going to be giving birth soon. And then, you know, the next entry or two, they talk about how, um, you know, this thing's kind of growing It it uh, looks like it, it, it almost started singing or something. In fact, I totally forgot it was there until I almost ran over it at one point um at some point in the next uh entry or one of the, the further ones they talk about how you know his his two kids are the best kids he you know he could possibly ask for always helping out with certain things meanwhile the census number has gone down but there haven't been any deaths um the the birth that they talked about never talked about again and you know i just kind of kept whittling down the numbers of the town whittling down his family to the point where it's like. Uh, Someone asks, "Oh, how come you, you you and your wife have never had kids before? You know, they've been eaten; they've disappeared." At some point, someone uh, asks about you know asking him out on a date and how he can't remember the last time he ever went out. He's been single for so long, and you know things like that. Um, and then let's see, I had so the, two. So the
0: hydra was basically just slowly consuming this entire the,
1: the entire town.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: and uh, I had. Um, two entries in there that were really kind of the keys of, okay, these might be ways that you can kind of perceive what's going on. Um, I had a a villager who was actually deaf, who he thought was crazy because they were talking about how people were missing. And he's like, Oh, you know, and and they, he showed her the number of how many people were in towns. Like, look, it's been consistent this entire time. And, and uh, then at another point he talked about um, how, like he thought he, he caught something in a reflection outside of the mayor's house, but then when he turned, nothing was there. And so based on that, my players, I, I guess I, I dropped too much of a hint, which is fine because I wanted them to figure it out because, you know, as a DM, you want your players to succeed. Um, they did two things. So they, they got candle wax because there's plenty of melted candle wax in this house because again, it's like the candles were going, Someone just up and left, and then they just melted down. They, they ended up melting that and then creating earplugs. And then, as soon as that happened, the perception filter stopped because they, could, they couldn't hear, you know, subconsciously hear the sound that was going on anymore. And at that point, the inside of the house looked run down and just like busted up and, you know, not maintained anything like that. And so then all of a
0: sudden, they started seeing everything for what it really exactly was.
1: Yeah. And then the paladin picked up a a hand mirror that she had found as a way to, you know, maybe kind of look around, but because of the, the candle wax, didn't need the mirror at all, but Hey, great idea. Picked up the two different hints that I had on it. So then they make their way to the carriage house. There's a big hole in the ground. They go into the hole kind of go down and they enter this giant cavern where a humongous false hydra is. In fact, I actually ended up using my Kraken uh, model. Because I'm like, okay, well, I want something really big and with like tentacly things, but, you know, say that those are heads because, you know, I don't actually have a false Hydra model. And then an amazing fight happened. Because they had the candle wax in their ears, some of the abilities that it would do that were sound based completely nullified, which again, that's perfectly fine. They were smart and did something along those lines. I'm fine with that. It was still a really dangerous encounter in fact the paladin got eaten and swallowed twice and uh the bard got swallowed once and then uh while she was in the mouth polymorphed herself into a t-rex and then reading the the stat block on the false hydra that i had it can still swallow a t-rex so the t-rex got swallowed (laughs) (laughs) so you know Obviously Sometimes
0: that's one of, the, one of those things that's just like, ha ha. <laughs> exactly. I was like, like yes. <laughs> you've used that T-Rex one too many times.
1: <laughs> this is the second time too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but the best part about all of it is the fact that like they were able to go through, they were able to win. And I'm super happy about it. Cause like I said, I've been planning this for a long time. It really blew their minds. In fact, just with talking to some of them or talking to some of them, I know that there's still doubt in wondering if Gilly was ever actually a real person or not. which, oh, I forgot to mention too. Um, they went and talked to the Lord who was leading this caravan that they're protecting to see if they've heard of, you know, Gilly Underfoot. And so the Lord went into his bags and found the different coin purses that he had allotted for each of them for payment. And there was one for Gilly there. And then on top of that, the cleric cast Sending, sent a a message back to the Temple of Bahamut to see if they've ever heard of her. But the way that I'm playing this false hydra is is that reality is altered when they're eaten. So that, that that memory in anybody who ever met them is actually erased. So they didn't know what was going on either. So it it was a lot of fun to kind of mess around with that, you know, play with perceptions. And so we ended after the combat Next session, we're going to pick up with them coming out of that hole. The reveal of the town where like half the town is in shambles and ruined and trees are dead and all the stuff. But the thing is, the townspeople are not going to remember the missing people. But they're going to see this going on. So it's like, how is that going to play into everything? How are they going to deal with it? I already know our bard's like, let's just load up, get out of town. We don't need to deal with the aftermath of this. And my cleric's like, well, we got to tell them, you know, That's it's like,
0: a, that is, that is emotionally rough.
1: Yes. I mean, it, it, <laughs> the thing is too, it's like in the lair, there's just all of these bones just all over the place. The cleric went through digging, looking for things. And like, he didn't find much just like, you know, a little bit of torn cloth here and there, there's like an, an acid eaten um, amulet of Maliki because the, the temple here was actually a temple for towards Maliki. So yeah but no one's run the temple as far as the town's concerned like so there's all this extra emotional and mental baggage going into all this that i'm really interested to see how they play it in the next session
0: that'll be really good yeah that'll be really cool that's a great payoff it oh it was
1: so much work for this because at, at specific points during the campaign up to this point, they even said, Hey, how much power does, does this amulet still have? And I'm like, Oh, you know, that's, it's running low right now. It's like, maybe like if it only had two spell slots, cause you know, I made a character sheet and I've been playing it or playing her off the character sheet this whole time. And it's just, it was a lot of setup that really felt like it had a really good payoff. And is some of the best, like, gaming that i've had to be able to kind of not hoodwink them but to put them into a position to to really kind of mess with their minds and try to figure out what was going on and it was really neat to see their all their thought processes work through that and then ultimately defeat this creature that's vexed them and i've I've had an amazing time with it and i think they did too unfortunately It just adds to the all the paranoia that I've already given them over the course of this campaign. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm a little worried about you know pulling the rug out from under them too much more. But I mean, for the most part,
0: that's always that's always one of those things because it's like as soon as as soon as the first NPC betrays them, it's just like it's like ruins them, (laughs) ruins them for future.
1: I mean, for the most part, I haven't. I haven't had an NPC that's actually betrayed them, but they have had, you know, those, those doppelgangers that they dealt with earlier. So, you know, paranoia there, they have paranoia because, you know, they went through a portal and left half their stuff in another town. And now with this, so it's like, I I don't want to overdo that. And, you know, I think with all the memorable NPCs that I have created that have been super nice and helpful and stuff that hopefully it balances. So that balances out. Yeah. Yeah, because I really don't want to be the whole, like, every NPC you meet is evil. Because <laughs> definitely not like that.
0: Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so anyways, that's that's the big reveal and all that stuff that's been going on in my campaign. How about you? I mean, you've been super busy with, like, multiple stuff. So, like, what is going on? Because, holy crap, you came to, like, a really big head in... in in stuff yes
0: yes so um my my first campaign the next session is just here in a few days from um recording this so by the time this comes out it it will have happened but uh, essentially they they stopped the the ritual in the temple um and that will probably end up helping them much more than they than they would have known at the okay, time. Cool.
1: Yeah, but, I, you you said that it was like super close last time.
0: Yeah, and so this next session is going to be, I think, a lot of a, a little like calm before the storm type thing, because they're they are they are battered, they are beaten, they are bruised, like they they are like completely wrung out at this point. So uh, I expect to see them rest. I expect to, they'll probably check on the status of the basically battle that is going on in the background outside of the town that is kind of giving them leeway to do what they need to do. Um, figure out they, they pilfered some things from the temple and I've got information on those. If they, end up being able to read them or look through them um they'll probably kind of take stock of what's going on and then they're gonna have to figure out how to get to this giant broken off section of the city that is floating hundreds of feet in the air
1: (laughs) oh that's always really fun trying to figure out a really good way to get up high it's like yeah Will a catapult work or do they have trebuchets can any of us fly can we polymorph into something it's like
0: it can't be super it can't be super obvious either because there's a battle going on Mm -hmm. there's things flying around and you don't want to make yourself a huge target as you're as you're trying to get there but the shield That black orb that was over this section is gone now. The summoning, the sacrificial circles have been destroyed, which were powering it and keeping this thing on. So I expect a lot of this next session will just be informational downtime, some RP and trying to, and figuring out, kind of seeing maybe slightly participating in the battle and then seeing that they can figure out how to get up to this place, which is where this final, summoning is taking place mm-hmm. and that will probably be one of the biggest combat encounters i have ever run wow. and probably one of the most dangerous ones uh, as, as well and so that's that's going to be really interesting so we're going to be we're going to be doing i i'm a i'm guessing and you never know. So a lot of times you will plan for more than you actually end up doing, or at least Mm -hmm. that's how it, how it feels like in my definitely. I feel like I always uh, plan for more than actually ends up getting done. But I assume that that type of thing will take most of this session. Potentially I could see another session, but um, within the next session or two, I expect the final culmination of the second arc Mm -hmm. of the of the campaign to to take place and we're like you know level 12 13 now we're starting to get up there we're there this is big stuff and then we moving towards end game right uh and so yeah it's it's gonna be it's gonna be cool it's gonna be interesting um potentially the session after this one uh Provided everyone's vaccinated, we may uh, be able to resume in person. Very cool. Play, which would be super cool. And it'd be such a treat if the first in person playback ended up being the giant culmination battle of the the second arc of the campaign because i i had originally thought of this whole cool thing to like build out and you know this giant floating platform and all these different things and i've got minis and everything that i was just like ah i'm not gonna be able to use these but it's lining up to where that actually might be possible so that's that's pretty cool
1: that is very cool i'm actually really excited for you and i mean any sort of you know big huge battle and on top of that too like ending of an arc of a story and stuff is always a lot of fun to do from every aspect like as a player just the excitement gets ramped up as a dm seeing the players challenged and fighting through this and stuff is really rewarding so i'm i'm really excited for you
0: yeah i'm I'm really looking forward to that one, and then my 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 second campaign are currently in the middle of a heist, which has Ooh. been super super fun we We did that session this this the first session of that this last saturday um and they they did the party approach where they went in and they're trying to thievery from within basically mm-hmm. instead of coming from the outside and going in so lots of Lots of uh, fake personalities, lots of <laughs> <laughs> lots of sleuthing, lots of trying to avoid notice, uh, running into the patron of the party who is incredibly powerful in her own right and barely <laughs> managing to squeak by without arousing suspicion. Uh, it's 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 really good they uh, they ended up finding the main vault uh, they, and they, at the very end of the session, they were able, they used, and I, I have to, they used an incredibly cool combination of silence and knock. Oh, that's actually really interesting. And so the cleric cast silence around the door and the wizard stood back far enough to not be in the cone and then used knock to open the door. And usually knock, emanates the super loud sound 300 feet which obviously they're trying to steal stuff they're at a party they don't want that noise to happen and so i was like okay if silence is over where knock emanates from then it is silencing all sound as soon as it is created
1: yeah makes sense yeah' that's so, really creative. That, so
0: that's so that's how I ruled it, and it's super super creative so they they threw silence up, they used knock because it was a very intricate door, like they tried <laughs> they tried to get in very intricate door though and they they weren't able to to get in um with conventional means, so they used that, they were able to open it, and that's where we ended ended the session off so that's looking very an, cool in a in a week or two to uh, doing the the second half of that,
1: well, very neat. It, it sounds like you had a really cool, like overall, like scenario set up for them. With I'm assuming multiple ways and different ideas of oh yes of ways to get in.
0: So oh yes, and there's there's a lot there's a lot more to it that we haven't gotten to yet. Mm-hmm. And so now I've been I've been pretty pretty happy with with how it's turned out so far. They rolled really well which is good, but honestly, they, they took the whole like first 30 or 45 minutes of the session to plan. And it's actually paid off quite a bit. um, How they've, how they've planned everything and how they're, how they're running everything. So I was, I was very, I was very impressed and I've been even more impressed that the dice have been in their favor to allow them their, their planning to actually completely, The most part, Uh, there there was definitely some fun little uh oh's type thing, but for the most part, it's it's gone off well. Well, good. Now next session,
1: their dice rolls will be horrible. Then everything will turn on them, and they'll have to fight their way out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would certainly be interesting. Yeah.
1: Well, it sounds like you're having a lot of fun, and I'm like I said, I'm really excited to hear what's going on in both those campaigns. That's very
0: cool. Well, awesome. Well, I think. I think that's it, Ben. Yeah. I think uh, kind of come to come to the end of the episode. Oh, man, I'm I'm still so excited that your payoff worked so well. Because <laughs> yeah. we've been talking about this for like a year. Yeah, yeah. Because it... you you told me about this a year ago when you first introduced like the the intro to mm-hmm. this, and to to now talk about this you know 40 episodes later and have it actually come to fruition is, is super cool so yeah
1: i'll tell you keeping that in for so long was really tough
0: <laughs> i know and again D tip find yourself a dm friend mm-hmm. that doesn't play in your game that you can talk to and yeah. tell crap like that too and, because it is so hard otherwise. i mean
1: I have my significant other and then my best friends in my group. So it's like, who do I talk to about it? Makes I'm it so hard. happy that I have you with me. So <laughs> I can <share> all that. <laughs> oh, good well, stuff. Well, Hey, if you want to tell us about your adventures and experiences, uh, definitely send us an email. That is dndiscussions at gmail.com. Uh, if everything's cool for us to read it on the, on the show, go ahead and make sure to say, okay to read. Uh, but other than that, we'd love to hear about your adventures, and things that are going on. Um, aside from that, if there's something you want to share with us in a uh, more of a short form manner, you can always find us on Twitter. We are at Dn Discussions. Uh, if you're looking for Ryan specifically, you're like, man, that Ben and that False Hydra, that's too creepy. I don't want to deal with him. Ryan himself is at <laughs> TBKZord. Uh, but if you are looking for me, I'm at Ben Bumhoffer. Uh, it's completely fanatic. It's my name. Look for me. Uh, if for some reason you're listening to this, and you're like. Well, golly gosh, these guys sure talk a mean game, but I don't know if they can actually play a mean game or you know a good game. You know, either way, uh, make sure to check out Plus Five to Hit. It is actually a persistent campaign uh, podcast that we're both on, and I gotta say, stuff is really starting to fire up in that campaign. It's a lot of fun. We're really enjoying it. Uh, a lot so of check stuff out. Going on. Oh yeah, check out Plus Five to Hit. Uh, we're playing through Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, and as we said before even if you're playing it too, I bet you things are different. <laughs> like I bet you don't have an in that a, an awakened shrub is running while you're away. <laughs> <Probably not>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. D and D love that game. Oh, good stuff. Uh, but if you're looking for the show, this is your first episode and you're like, Hey, this is episode 43. There's 42 others. Hey, guess what? You can find them on dndiscussions.com as well as on anywhere that you're looking for podcasts and uh, again, you know,
0: we love hearing from you, so uh, send drop us a line. Awesome. Well, thanks, all uh, everyone for listening. Uh, we have such a blast doing this show, and we love just hearing back uh, and hearing from you all. Especially uh, those of of you who have t- said this is this has been super helpful, or this is this has been super great, or thanks for this idea or that idea. It's it means the world to us. Um, and we just love talking about this stuff so much. So keep keep sending that feedback in. Keep playing cool D&D. Keep sharing your stories. And as always, we will see you next time. Yep, and until then, be good to each
1: other. And also keep wondering, did there used to be a third host, but they were eaten by a false hydra? <laughs>